we are going to continue our sermon series on battlegrounds. We have been visiting a couple of battlegrounds in the Old Testament to find the enemy's strategy and the way God orchestrates the battle against the enemy. And today we are going to talk about another battleground. In fact, we are going to visit another battleground in the Old Testament. Now, before we get there, shall we all stand for a moment for the declaration of war? Let's go. We declare that we are in war with the kingdom of darkness. Our war is not a physical war as we don't fight against flesh and blood. We will not give up. We will not compromise. We will not lose our focus. We will fight again victory. We are We don't fight on our own strength. We fight in the name of Jesus who stripped the principalities and the powers of darkness at the cross. We are not alone in this battle. The captain of our army is marching forward. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We wear the whole armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And we are ready for the battle. In Jesus' name, we declare, we affirm, and we engage ourselves in war. Amen. Please be seated. So today, we are going to visit another battleground called the Battleground of Jericho. Can you say that with me? The Battleground of Jericho. Every one of you, can you say that with me? The Battleground of Jericho. So we read about this battleground in the book of Joshua, chapter 6 just hold the place there we will read as required right battleground of jericho now before we really dive into this subject this morning we need to ask a couple of questions and we need to position ourselves in the right place where exactly the battle took place when and where the battle really took place children of israel if you remember, came out of Egypt into the wilderness. They came through the Red Sea. You know, when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And even though they were baptized because of their unbelief, they could have come to the blessed land in four days, but they took 40 years. Now Joshua brought them, brought the children of Israel through River Jordan. We read that in chapter 5 of Joshua. In a picture of coming through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit when they enter into the promised land. But it is not a very pleasant promised land. They had some battles to fight. You know, we are all thinking about the promised land which is yet to come. And I believe, I strongly believe, there is no battle in that promised ground when we go there. In the promised land. I don't want any more battle when I go there. I'm done with all this in this earth. Any more temptation and any more cry in the promised land 
that is it to come. But the promised land that we are talking about, that was not a very pleasant promised land. And hope that promised land is not referring to heaven, but that promised land is referring to the life that we have in Christ. Can you say that? The life that we have in Christ. So the promised land children of God went to possess, that's not a promised land which is yet to come, but it is a promised land that we live in today. The promised land of building our lives in Christ Jesus. You know, God was asking children of Israel to step into the promised land and possess the promises of God. The fullness of the spirit is what God wants us to enjoy when we are having a life that lives in Christ. So after they come through the river Jordan, they had a good time. In fact, if you read a couple of scriptures, a couple of chapters in the book of Joshua, you come to know that they had a good time of celebrating Passover. They remembered the blood that was shed when they were in Egypt. They remember the deliverance that God brought to the children of God. But you know what, as they were all rejoicing and they were happy, they quickly ran into the most challenging encounter in the promised land that is the most fortified city by name Jericho. In fact, that was the first battle they fought when they entered into the promised land. So God brought them the, to the doorstep of Jericho. As children of Israel just came to the, you know, near Jericho, they just looked above and they saw that city was a huge. It has very high walls. You know, in fact, why don't we just go, go, go to find out some of the archaeological information of the ancient city of Jericho. So ancient archaeology of Jericho. Let's start a little bit about the archaeology. Jericho is one of the ancient cities. The archaeologists... They excavated for 100 long years. There were many excavations took place during that 100 years. Jericho is located 258 meters. In fact, 846 feet below the sea level. Can you believe that? Below the sea level in an oasis in the, in the, in the valley of River Jordan. Such a good place to go. And you know what? That makes it as a lowest city in the world. Now, why did they have problem to overcome the city of Jericho? That's what we are going to try, try to find out. They discovered there is an outer wall and there was an inner wall. Archaeologists say the outer wall was around 6 to 8 feet thick. And it is about 20 feet tall. And there is an inner wall. That inner wall is about 12 feet thick. Can you imagine a wall of 12 feet? And it was 30 feet high. Now between the wall, there was a guarded walkway. And that walkway is around 15 feet wide. Such a big wall. So they discovered, the archaeologists, they, they found out this. Now the ruins of Jericho, we know that eventually that city was totally ruined, in fact, by fire. The ruins were about 8 to 9 acres of land. It's not a very big city though, but it, it is it's big enough for the children of God to walk around. And the children of God can walk around the city of Jericho in, in around 30 minutes. Not bad at all. Not a, not a very difficult walk. But children of God, they could no way they could have climbed the walls because they were too tall for them to climb. 
Now Israel's problem was they had a city to conquer, but they had, a, they, they, they had a, some extremely huge struggle in front of them, challenge in front of them that was a huge wall just standing in front of them on their way. Now I was just thinking about what is this God that you know they were just so good and they were just doing good so far. They came all the way from there but now they, they thought that they entered into the promised land but now they are standing in front of a huge wall and they are not sure how they are going to scale the wall. Lord what's going on here? And you know what? I started think about, thinking about my life and I started thinking about a couple of your lives. And when God brings us to the promised land, and I say the promised land is nothing but the life that we have in Christ. We decided to live for Christ. We decided to take some steps to do something for God. We decided to live a good life, godly life for the sake of God, for our future benefit of our future, our, for our children. We thought that we just stepped into the promised land, but the challenges are not done with. There are more challenges, even the promised land that we are living in Christ Jesus today. In our lives, we come across such walls. They are as tall as the walls of Jericho. There is no way we could scale that wall. We don't have any equipments to put over, to climb over the walls. No. And we struggle. Children of God, they had the same struggle as they were standing in front of the wall of Jericho. But you know what? God had a strategy. God had a plan. And most of the time, you know, we think that you know, we have a plan. Yes, we do have a plan. But God has another plan. And as the Bible says, his thoughts are much, much higher than our thoughts. Most of the time, the things may not happen according to what we planned. But it happens according to the plan of God. We have any witness here in this house? Yes, there are many things that we thought it would take place in this fashion, but no, 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 not at all. You know, many of us that we never thought that we will be in the city, we will be in this city, we will be in this position, but it is the plan of God. I never thought that you know, I would become a pastor in my life. No, 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 I, I never thought about that. But God's plan is much higher than, God's thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. So now it is so interesting, very interesting that to know that God's strategy, God has a st had a strategy and an, an execution plan. Now because of time limitation, I need to just go through the, you know, script, uh, chapter 6 very quickly. I will just bring out a couple of scriptures and I will help you to understand how exactly that battle took place. God's people were asked to march around the city once a day. For six days. It's like a prescription. Once a day? For how many days? Six days. Now seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns marching before the ark. So ark of the covenant was carried. And how many priests? Seven priests. And they were walking with what? Seven trumpets made of what? Did you listen? Made of what? Ram's horn. Right? Ram's horn. Look, okay, let's not talk about ram's horn too much now. Let's move further. Right? So now, now, now they, they are expected to march carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Now, armed men were walking before the priests who carry the, who, who, who blow the trumpet. 
Now there is a rear guard. They are coming after the Ark of the Covenant. You know, look at the strategy. Armed men were going forward and seven priests with the trump trumpets. They are following the armed men and the Ark of the Covenant is carried uh, be behind the seven priests and they are all guarded by rear guard. You know, that's, the, that's how God structured the team, the army. And God said, march with no voice. And not even a word, word from the mouth until the seventh day. What is that? No wise, not even a word. Just keep marching. Once a day for six days. The priests continue to blow the trumpet every time when they march around all these six days. On the seventh day, they march around the city for how many times? Seven times. So seventh day they were asked to march seven times. Now when, they, when the seventh time came, the priests, they blew the trumpet as they used to do during all the other six days. Now when they blew the trumpet, Joshua said, shout. Can you say shout? Can we shout, shout? Shout. Little louder. Shout. Yes, great. Now when people heard the trumpet, they shouted with a great shout. And Bible says the wall fell down flat. Can you say that? The wall fell down, not just fell down, fell down flat. What does it mean? No, not even one stone over the other stone, just flat to the ground. People went into the city. They utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkey. With the edge of the sword. Everyone was slew, killed. And as commanded by Joshua, the young men who had been sheltered, who had been the spies and who were sheltered by Rahab, Joshua told the young men, go there and get Rahab, his father, sorry, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. Bring everything out. Let's save her. You remember when the spies went there? Rahab. The prostitute, she protected the spies. And they made a promise that when the war happens, you will be preserved. Your family will be, your household will be preserved. And then Bible says in verse 23 and 24, they burned the city. And all that was in the city were kept for fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron, they were put into the treasury of the Lord. You know, that was the strategy and the plan of God as Joshua executed this war over Jericho. Now listen to me. What kind of enemy that we are dealing with? You know, we are very, very much interested, keen on knowing who is our enemy and what is our strategy against the enemy because we are talking about battlefield. And children of Israel waged that war on that day. Now the enemy is trying to war against us and God is expecting us to wage the warfare against the enemy. Remember the same enemy. Remember, he will apply the same strategies against you today. So we need to understand what kind of enemy we are dealing with. And here it looks like, you know, last week we talked about what? Do you remember? Amalekites in Rephidim. And now, now this enemy looks like he's not like Amalek. He's slightly different. This enemy looks like he's very passive. It's very passive. In fact, Bible tells us that the enemy is so afraid of the people of God. People in Jericho, they were so afraid of the people of God. 
Let's listen to Rehab you know, what she says about the people of Jericho. And listen to me, this is what Rehab says. As Joshua sent the spies to Jericho, Rehab gave shelter to them. And Rehab says in Joshua chapter 2 verses 9 through 11. And Rehab said, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Rehab telling the spies that the terror of you has fallen on us. And that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of the children of Israel. Then she said, we heard about how God divided the Red Sea. We heard about how God destroyed the king of Amorites, the king of Zihon, the king of Og. How God performed, how God you know, uh, helped the children of Israel to win the battle in every time. Then she said in verse 11, and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did we there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above and on earth beneath. You know, the words of Rahab. The words of women who is not godly. And the words of you know, people, of, people who are there in the city of Jericho. They are trying to protect themselves because they were so afraid. Now, why the battlefield is at all? You know, why the battle should have taken place? Now, we are talking about, continue to talk a little more about the enemy. This is very interesting. The enemy, the children of God we are dealing with in Jericho is very passive, as I said. He seems to be he's not, you know, coming against the children of God. But he is kind of hiding himself. Can you say hiding? Hiding himself inside the fort of Jericho. Now Jericho was a kind of obstacle, listen to me, to possess the promised land. It was not a threat, real threat, but it was an obstacle. You know, God did not want to ignore the obstacles and move forward. Now I want you to understand the strategy of God. God did not want to just ignore those obstacles and move forward. No, God wants us to deal with those obstacles. You know, as we read, in the enemy is very passive, but he is still our enemy. He is not our friend. We can't keep the devil as our friend. No way. No way. He is not our friend. He is our enemy. Jesus said, in fact, in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. The enemy appears to be sheep, but he is not really a sheep. The enemy of the people of Jericho appears to be harmless, but they are still enemies for the children of God. And God wants to deal with such enemies. You know, there are enemies in our lives. They are not posing any harm. They are not a threat at this moment. But God wants us to get rid of those enemies in our lives. Because they are still our enemies. Remember also, they were afraid of the children of God. They were afraid of children of God. You know, I remember the very old hymn written by Martin Luther. In the 16th century. Known as a mighty fortress is our God. And the chorus goes like that. If you can read with me. The prince of darkness, grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. What is that? One little word. Can you say that? One little word shall fell him. 
What is that one little word? Jesus. That one little word shall fell him. That name, that word is Jesus. In Luke chapter 10 verse 17, the disciples, they went for a ministry. They went for an outreach. Jesus sent them to go and do ministry. Go and meet people, heal sick, and you know, deliver the demon possessed. That's, that's how Jesus sent to them, sent them. And when they came back, the 70 turned with joy, saying what they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And I believe Martin Luther, Martin Luther was talking about that name, that one little name, that one little word, Jesus is more than enough. Amen? Remember the devil who tries to put us down. He will overpower us when we really think that he is a lion. But Bible says, I believe he is not a lion. He looks like a lion. Did you read your Bible? Is that Bible says? He looks like a? Hello? He looks like a? Roaring lion. But he is not a lion. He appears to be strong, but you remember at the cross what happened really? He lost his strength. And today he's just roaming around and he's frightening the church of God, the children of God. But he's not a lion anymore. He's a very old serpent. If you just go, go and grab that serpent and just open the mouth of the serpent, he already lost his teeth. Very old serpent, somehow surviving by gasping air, struggling to lie, live until the day of doom. He appears to be strong, but he is not strong. When you give importance to your problem, listen to me, you are really exalting the devil. And what is your problem today? You may, you may ask me, Pastor, do you want to really tell me my problem? Ten fingers are not enough to count my problems. I have so many problems. But listen to me, when we give importance to our problem, we are really exalting the devil. But remember, inside, the devil is afraid of you. The people of Jericho, they were so afraid of the children of God. Inside, the devil is afraid of us. Because we are children of God. Are you with me this morning? We need to cast him out in the little, by the little word, Jesus. Can you hear a Jesus from you? Jesus. Amen. So how do we deal with the Jericho-like enemy? I'm just, uh, you know, give you a couple of ideas and, before, uh, and be close. How do we deal with Jericho-like enemy? You know, it's a strange enemy. Very passive. Not sure what he is trying to do. Just hiding inside and children of God need to fight against such an enemy. How, do they, how did they deal with such an enemy? Number one, they obeyed. They obeyed. You know, number one strategy to fight against such an enemy, such an enemy is obedience. You know, obedience is very important when we walk or when we work in the army of God. How many of you worked in military? Any of you? No, I think it's time to go. <laughs> some of our family members would have, been, would have worked in military, right? Some of our, yes, some of your friends would have worked in military. So number one requirement in the military is what? Obedience. Can you say obedience? Obedience. obedience. 
You know, God said a couple of things to through Joshua, and Joshua gave the instruction. Listen to this. And they obeyed letter by letter. God said, Joshua said, go around the city seven days for seven days. On the seventh day, you need to go around seven times. They did. They said, priests need to carry the trumpets of ram's horn. Yes, they did. God said, the, uh, the order in which they, you know, they must march. They have armed men and they have priests and the rear guard. And the Ark of the Covenant need to be carried. Yes, they did. And they, God said, six days, no voice, not even a word. Nobody spoke. Obedience. Seventh day, seventh time, we need to shout. They all did perfect. It is important to obey when we want to fight against enemies like Jericho in our lives. Listen to me this morning. Discipline is a cousin of obedience. Who's he? Cousin of obedience. If we are called to intercede, if we are called to fight against such an enemy in our lives, enemy who is hidden, who is passive, who is not just doing anything, and we are not sure what he is going to throw up, throw against our lives. If we want to fight such against such enemies, along with obedience, we need to add discipline. And consistently God wants us to be obedient, and consistently God wants us to show discipline in our lives. When we want to fight against such an enemy, they just obeyed. They just obeyed. When we fight against such an enemy, when we show indiscipline, when we show disobedience to God, that's equal to digging a hole. So enemy can just come into our lives at any moment. And what God expects in our lives, number one, is to obey. Number two is to believe. Can you say believe? You know, the faith of God's children made them to succeed in this battle. Just listen to me. This is very important. We need to fight such an enemy in our lives. You know, it has been a nuisance for us years, at, years after years that we have been dealing with this sickness. We need to get rid of this sickness. It's not from God. It's from the devil. We thought we can manage with the sickness. But God is telling us, it's, not, it's important. You need to get rid of those obstacles in your life. They are not allowing you to serve God. They are not allowing you to follow him. They are not allowing you to do anything. It's time to get rid of such an enemy like Jericho. Number one tool, strategies, obedience. Number two is to believe. Is to believe. The faith of God, children, that brought the success on that day. There is no doubt about it. By any natural means, if you can think, that wall would not have been brought down. There is no chance that such a tall and such a thick wall will be brought flat down to the earth. There is no chance. Even if there, that was, there was an earthquake, that earthquake took place the moment exactly that same nanosecond when children of God shouted. That the earthquake would have taken place just on time. That fraction of a second. And the earthquake looks like destroyed only the wall. Everything was kept intact. It cannot be natural. It cannot be natural at all. It must be supernatural. You know, think about children of Israel. They did not believe God. You know what? When they walked 
along with Moses. As Moses, there are many times they did not believe God under the leadership of Moses. They in fact rebelled against God many times because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. But now when it comes to the battle of God, battle against an enemy, they were together believing in what God said. You know, God expects the church to be in that fashion. You know, we may have diversities within us. We may not speak the same language. We may not wear the same kind of dress. We may not even eat the same kind of food. But when it comes to fight against the enemy, God expects us to be together. I think you mentioned that during the time of worship. Now, how important it is to be together and fight against the work of the devil. Because it cannot be handled by single-handed. We talked about last, last week, we talked about the battle that took place in, the, in Rephidim. Moses was in need and Haran and Ur, they are needed there. And Joshua was needed to forefront the battle and the army was needed. It's, a, it's not a battle that can be won by individuals. We need to stand together in this battle. The moment it comes, children of Israel... They were just standing together. They were believing God and they were just obeying what God said and they just believed. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this. Let's read this. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 30. By faith. Can you read that together? By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. How the walls of Jericho fell down? By faith. If there is an element of unbelief, the wall would not have fallen down. They would not have been, children of Israel could not, you would not have been progressed the way they wanted to progress. They would have left that enemy there and that enemy would have become a great threat for the children of Israel. But by faith, you know, this morning, I don't know what we have been fighting against. I don't know what are the obstacles that are standing in front of us. I don't know what wall that we are dealing with. God is telling us, by faith, only by faith. It may be your sickness. It may be your financial issues. It may be your relationship struggles that we may be going through. But God is telling you this morning, by faith, by faith. We need that faith to bring down the obstacles in our lives. Only our faith can remove the obstacles. You know, it looks uh, illogical. It, it doesn't sound that great, but that's how it works. That's how it works. Our faith can open the door. Our faith can move the mountains. Our faith can, you know, make us well. Our faith can remove that sickness in our body. But we need to believe. We need to believe. Faith is expressing our beliefs in total obedience to God. Faith is doing what God was asking us to do. Not to worry about how it will be. Not to worry about how this will happen. No, God doesn't want us to know about it at all. God doesn't want us to think about that. But God wants us to know that by faith it is possible. The third element, the third strategy that children of God adapted was to shout. Can you say shout? Verse 10, Joshua chapter 6 says, Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall now, sorry, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. That's what Joshua said. So obedience was important. Listen to this. This is interesting. Obedience was important. 
when Joshua said not to make any noise, they perfectly obeyed. And people were silent. When Joshua said shout, they all shouted. Obedience was important. Faith was essential because it's something that could not have happened by natural means. They just believed what Joshua said. They just believed. You just do this, you'll see the victory of the Lord. They just believed it. Verse 16 says, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. People just believed that Lord is about to give the city in my hands. They just believed the words of Joshua. So obedience is important. Faith is important. But finally, what brought the victory? Shout. Shout. You know, our shout, listen to me, this is, this is something new for a couple of you. Our shout has the ability to bring down the powers of darkness. I want you to hear this clearly. Our shout, has, can you say that? Our shout has an ability to bring down the powers of darkness. You know, God wants us to make the shout of victory. Amen? You know, throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God wanted us to be never to be silent. There are times that we need to silent, but not always. There were times that we need to praise God, and we need to shout, and we need to clap our hands, and we need to praise. You know, that's the reason, you know, most of the time when we are standing here, or the worship leader is standing here, we encourage you to clap your hands. We encourage you to shout. Just open your mouth and praise God. You know, we can't do it by when we keep silent. Psalm 47 1 says, listen to these scriptures, Psalm 47 1. Oh, clap your hands. Bible says, clap your hands. All you peoples shout to God with a voice of trumpet. Sorry, triumph. Both works. Shout to God. Clap your hands. Is clapping hands biblical? Yes. Is shouting in the church biblical? Yes. Is praising God out loud is biblical? Yes, amen. 47.1 says, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Psalm 66.1, make a joyful shout to God. All the earth, Psalm 98.4, shout joyfully to the Lord. All the earth, break forth in singing, rejoice and sing praises. Psalm 101, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. And Bible says in Psalm 118.15, I'm reading from NIV, shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Psalm 25, may we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. You know, God wants us to shout. Children of Israel, they obeyed. They had such a great faith in God. And finally, when the time comes, they shouted together. You know, these walls may be an obstacle on our way towards our future, on our progress. Sometimes these walls may be strongholds in our lives. Sometimes these walls may be somebody standing, an individual that who is working against you in your life. Sometimes these, you know, these walls may be the marriage struggles, the issues that we are going through. 
Sometimes these walls may be your children who are not obeying you, who are not listening to you, walking away from God. These walls sometimes may be kind of the depth, depth condition that is piled up in your life. You don't know how to deal with it. I don't know what is the wall that is preventing us to move further. We are just right there standing at the door of Jericho and looking into him, not sure what to do. God, is it you? God, did you really bring, to bring me to this nation? Lord, what's going on in my life? I'm not sure. God wants us to encounter these walls in the battlefield of Jericho. Shall we all stand for a moment? God wants us to confess our disobedience to God because number one way to bring down this enemy is by showing our obedience. God wants us to confess our disobedience to him, to the Lord. Because with this disobedience, we can move forward. We can move forward. I do not know what is the disobedience in, our li in your life and in my life. We know it. And the Spirit of God will remind those things in your life right now as we stand. And it is time to tell Lord, Lord, forgive my disobedience, Lord. I want to move forward. I'm not able to move forward in the way I'm supposed to go, Lord. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And this morning, I believe the word has come to you. Because God wants to do something in your life that's amazing. That's marvelous. It is enough that we are coming round and round around the city of Jericho. It is time to obey his call in your life. It is time to confess our disbelief to the Lord. Children of Israel, they showed perfect belief in the Lord. Not believing is not believing God is sin. Is a sin as equal to murder. Disbelieving God is a sin. And God is asking us to believe. Because when you turn back your past, not even a single time that God failed you. Not even a single time, not even one time. God had been faithful. As you have climbed through all these mountains, now when you turn back, you don't find a single reason to disbelieve God. Because God had been faithful. And God wants our disbelief to be confessed. God wants us to believe in God and on His promises. His promises are A and Amen. He promised you that I will carry you. I will uphold you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. He has given many promises in your life. And God wants you to believe the same way children of Israel believed the word of God. And this morning ask God, Lord, increase my faith. As the disciples cried unto him, Lord, help me. Lord, remove my unbelief. Remove my unbelief, Lord. Just ask him. Just ask him. And there is a time that comes in your life. 
you need to start clapping your hands and lifting up your voices and make a joyful shout to the Lord and you will see the wall tumbling down. Amen. Shall we put our hands together this morning? Hallelujah. We serve a mighty God. We serve a God who is supernatural. We serve a God who is awesome. We serve a God who is powerful, who is mightier than the kings of this world, who is mightier than the devil who is threatening you. Hallelujah.